Hey, this is another edition of Unredacted, the Kurt Schlichter Town Hall VIP podcast that says FCC compliance, kiss my ass. Boom! Here we go. Gosh, wish there was something to talk about. Wish there was something to say. Wish I had some topics to cover. I guess I could go for hours and hours if I wanted to, if you wanted me to, but that's not going to happen. I'm going to try and pack all of this stuff in one half hour of solid, all meat, no filler, Ramonesian, all good stuff, podcast glory. Brace yourself. Here it We must, I say again, we must as Americans, as people who believe injustice and hate racism and dislike racism and find racism something that they don't approve of by the way read my town hall column today monday june 15th because i talk about our heroes from hollywood the corporations and politics who take a proud and lonely non-conformist stand against racism yeah they're going against racism as opposed to all those voices that are for it you know if you're going to be truly against racism you need to be against incidental references to racism in the past that's right you need to for instance support the banning of the movie Gone with the Wind. Now, Gone with the Wind, a 1939 epic starring Vivian Lee, Clark Gable, and Hattie McDaniel, who won an Academy Award, an Oscar, uh, as the first black American to win an Oscar. She won it. She she played Mammy, who uh, was a slave, and who was um, Scarlett O'Hara, that's Vivian Lee's, kind of... Uh, you should watch the movie. You should watch the movie. You should fight the power watch the movie. No, 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 you shouldn't. Because it depicts slavery. And it depicts the Civil War. And it doesn't do it in exactly the way that the people who now set the tone for America, the liberal elite, feel appropriate. As if you're going to watch... Gone with the wind and come in and go, you know, the Confederacy, good idea. You know, it's really underrated. There's a lot of good things about it. It is a, uh, it's almost the archetype of a Hollywood movie from 1939. Some people say 1939 is the best year ever in Hollywood. I think uh, well, a number of, I think they have Wizard of Oz and some other ones. Uh, but Gone with the Wind, uh, allegedly, if you adjust for inflation, has uh, made the most money of any movie ever. Uh, more than Titanic, more than Avatar. God, Avatar sucked. I saw like 20 minutes of it. I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'm not watching this shit. It's like, it's like a woke cartoon. Fuck that. It's just, uh, it, it, it's really a remarkable long film. It's like four hours long. But it's been, it has now been canceled. It has been canceled because reasons and stuff and uh supposedly it's racist in some way and um you know i i think carrying on that logic i think we need to demand that the uh, academy of motion picture arts and sciences the awards the oscars the academy awards take back all the oscars now i forget how many oscars this movie won but i think it's like 11 
and I think it was like Best Picture, and I think Vivian Lee won, and maybe maybe Clark Gable won. He played Rhett Butler, um, and uh, God, who else? Uh, Olivia De Havilland, and uh, it's just I mean, there's just a lot of people in there, and I think that I think a lot of them. No, Olivia De Havilland didn't win because Hattie McDaniel won, and um, I, I think we need to take back all those Oscars. I think we need to take them back and no one should ever be allowed to see this movie again. I think they should also take uh, Huck Thin uh, because uh, it uses uh, uh, bad language and displays uh, uh, race relations in the 19th century. And that, that needs to go too because it may make people sad. Yeah, put aside the fact that it's uh, highly critical of the dehumanizing aspects of racial prejudice. But that doesn't matter because feelings... But in any case, I think we need to take back the Oscars. And I think Hattie McDaniel needs to get her Oscar taken back. Now she is she's passed on, uh, but uh, I I think she she must lose her Oscar uh, because otherwise that would show an insufficient commitment to the wokeness of wokehood, and there and there's nothing more important than being woke. So I think that we we need to do that. This is my modest proposal, my Swiftian proposal. Take all the Oscars back for that. And uh, I, I think the Academy Award ha- can't. Like, and I, I, frankly, no, no, no. Let's be. Let's understand. I, I think this could happen. I think this very well could happen. That they will uh, revoke the Oscars for Gone with the Wind. Tell me, based on anything you've heard, set forth to me a logical rationale based on their internal logic, the internal conundrum of wokeness, why all the Oscars for Gone with the Wind should not be revoked. Can you do that? It's got a very stirring score, which itself is racist. Yeah. So, why wouldn't they? And I think they should take back other Oscars for other movies. Now, like, I literally cannot tell you what last last year's best picture was. Have you watched the Oscars ever in like the last 20 years? I, I don't think, I, I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I remember when I was a kid and I was a kid growing up in the seventies and early eighties before I went off to school. And, um, you know, we had like three network channels and then we had PBS and then we had these weird UHA, UFA, <laughs> UFH, UHF stations like Channel 44, KBHK that would show all these 1950s monsters movies. And it just had like weird stuff. So you basically had ABC, NBC, CBS, and then occasionally PBS, but no one ever watched that except for Monty Python because that was a thing. Uh, and we're going to talk about John Cleese in a moment. So anyway... Um, the Oscars. We, we Every year we'd watch them. We'd uh, eat dinner, you know, in front of the TV. It'd start at like 5 o'clock because we're in California. And we'd watch it for the, you know, the three, four hours. And, you know, it was kind of cool. You'd, you'd see you know, people sing and dance the songs. And there'd be jokes. It'd be like Bob Hope or Johnny Carson or somebody. And occasionally there'd be weirdness like Sachin Littlefeather coming up and accepting the Oscar for Marlon Brando for, I believe, The Godfather in 1972. And she was like doing it on behalf of Indian rights and stuff. And, you know, and occasionally you'd have like an anti-Vietnam person would come up and, you know, tick off the establishment because there's the establishment and the Hollywood New Wave. And there's a little tension there. But it, it was mostly not politics. It was mostly about movies. And you get to see a little clip in the movie. and go, Ooh, I want to see that movie. That sounds like really cool. 
but it was a thing that we all did. And everybody did it. I mean, you know, you get huge, huge ratings. This was a time. Now, now, if you get like a, a five share or a ten share, that's like a million houses. That's huge. That is just unbelievable. That is just such a huge rating now. But we got like seven thousand channels. We, you know, we have the we have you know we have the gorilla channel for gosh sake, the hamster channel, the pangolin channel, pangolin vision. Coming up next, Pangolin Cops, which has been banned because we don't want to show Pangolin Cops in a positive, positive. It reinforces pro-Pangolin policing stereotypes, which we don't want to do. Uh, but we got so many channels. And, 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 and it, it, to get like a three or four share, you know, three or four million, that, that's pretty big. That's a lot of people. Back then, you would get like a 30, 40 share, like 40 million people, like... You go to school the next day as a kid, and everybody would have watched. I mean, every, I mean, literally everybody. I remember when MASH had its, uh, like, 1982, 1983, it had its uh, finale. And everyone watched. I mean, I don't mean just, like, a lot of people or most. I mean, like, everyone watched it. Hey, man, you know, did you see Hawkeye last night? Yeah, man, that was a BJ Honeycutt and Hot Lips Houlihan and... Uh, Frank Burns, who uh, was pretty much the Bill Crystal of MASH. That would be the Bill Crystal of MASH, was Frank Burns. So there are all these, all these older guys listening to my podcast. Going, I get that shit. You young whippersnappers, you don't get that, but I get that. Frank Burns is Bill Crystal. Discuss. Ahoy! Everyone to watch it. Everybody watched the Oscars. It was a group thing and we would all watch it and then technology got in the way we got tons of new channels and that kind of took away from it but you know what else took away from it wokeness i i you know every single movie's got this all the same blah 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 and they're all woke and it's all shitty and i just i don't i don't care i think i saw like one movie that got nominated last year and it was probably because one of my kids made me go see it. It was like uh, like some Avengers movie or some dumb shit like that. And, you know, it's just, I'm just completely alienated from Hollywood. One of the interesting things about all this is you can operate, the entertainment industry has found out you can operate on a niche. Uh, Johnny Carson, for instance, everybody would watch Johnny Carson. I love Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson, funny guy, by the way. He was a very funny guy. Terrible in human, terrible human being. Funny guy, very funny. Uh, and every almost everybody would watch the Tonight Show. If you were up at eleven thirty, you'd watch the Tonight Show. Now we've got like forty late night hosts, and they're all the same, and they all have a tiny sliver of what Johnny used to get. But you can make money on a sliver. You know, you could if you if you're pulling in a three share or a two share. You, know, you, 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 you can make a show that way, and you can make money, and you can get advertising. It's not the giant cultural thing it is, but you could make money, which is why Hollywood has not completely rejected this. At one time, there were a lot of perceptions we had as this cultural war grew, and one one of them was that money was going to guide things, that there were you know, that it, eventually the money was going to win out. If the artistic stuff didn't win out, and you know, like, like I said, I have no faith in the artistic stuff. If you had faith in artistic stuff, they'd say, "No, we're we're not taking back the Gone with the Wind Oscars." But you know, they're totally going to do that. 
right? Even though it's an artistic abortion. I thought, oh, the money will stop. They, they will, you know, eventually the Hollywood guys, you know, they talk a good game about liberalism, but they're going to they're going to go for the money. Not necessarily. Because, well, for one thing, you don't need a giant audience to make money. You know, Stephen Colbert, no, no, nobody watches that shit. I don't know anybody watches that shit. A very small number of people watch that shit. Maybe one or two in a hundred Americans watch Colbert. And it can still make money because you can still make money in the niche. So instead of going for mass audiences, they go for niche audiences. And that allows them to exclude certain niches like, oh, I don't know, half of America, you and me. I'm so sick of TV wokeness. God. I think I wrote about it in my, well, actually, I did write about it in uh, my uh, VIP only column, which you guys, uh, if you're listening to this, you have access to. And I was like, I can't watch anything. And I suggested a few shows I watch. And you guys did too. And you guys told me a bunch. And I, I'm actually putting those in this Wednesday. So you're going to see a whole bunch of your suggestions for shows. But the bottom line is nobody's coming to us. Nobody is doing conservative stuff because they don't have to. Because you can make money otherwise, other places doing only liberal stuff. Which is why that was a mistake when I thought, oh, well, the money is going to win out. Money will not win out. They don't need your money because they can make money on a fraction of the audience. Are they leaving money on the table? Yes, but they've got a lot of money on the table already. So it's kind of a sacrifice. I do think that the underserved audience does provide something for folks who want to get into the field. It's the distribution problem. Now, the, the technical of making shows... The technical requirements, you don't have to do it on film anymore, which cheapens things up considerably, makes it technically much more easy. It's still a big, expensive process to produce a show, hugely expensive. In fact, I talked to a a noted Hollywood insider about uh, what it would take to turn my books, People's Republic and Indian Country, Wildfire and Collapse, which you should all get. But not before you go pre-order 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, because I need to pump up my pre-orders. Let's pump it up so we can screw with the New York Times and make them put me on the list. And you do that by, by, by selling a lot. Anyway, I, I talked to this uh, uh, Hollywood insider who knows this stuff. And this Hollywood insider told me, well, you know, books are great, of course. Uh, about blue and red America splitting up and my hero runs through shooting people with a Wilson combat CQB, the greatest pistol ever made. And it's badass and it's super conservative and no liberal ever want to touch it. Anyway, how much would it cost to make? He's like, it'd be an expensive show because you're walking through a split up America and it, it you know, it's hard to show that without some investment. And there's lots of locations, and there's a fair number of cast. It's actually a fairly big production. I thought it was actually small. Okay. I actually had a screenplay optioned once. I'm going to take a little tangent here. Uh, God, about 20 years ago, me and my pals decided, okay, we want to make a movie. So how are we going to make a movie? Well, I said, let's make a cheap one. We've got to make a horror movie. So I wrote a movie about zombies that had like 12 people in it. Seven or eight, including zombies. And it was bloody and funny, and it was it was okay. But the idea was to make it super cheap. I had like three locations. It was simple, and I wanted to make it so we could we could fund it ourselves. Figured maybe a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand bucks. I mean, that's pretty rock bottom. 
But, you know, I thought, let's go for it. Uh, and uh, this, uh, long story short, a, a producer got any optioned it from me. And I, uh, uh, he, he did not make it. Uh, he said, uh, you know, and of course, this is a very stripped down and very simple process. Not a lot of deep character work. You know what I mean? Okay. And uh, I'm sitting in my office. He calls up. He's Kurt. I, uh, I brought in a script doctor to uh, help us with a rewrite. I said, you, you want to rewrite my zombie script? He said, yeah. So, okay. I mean, you've optioned it. I don't care. You got to pay me. So, all right. He goes, uh, the guy, the guy gets on and we're having like a, it's like a teleconference. All right. Now the character's being attacked by zombies. What's the character's motivation? What's he's feeling? And I'm like, well, he's getting attacked by a zombie. So I assume he's probably against being attacked by a zombie. It's probably not in his, you know, top 10 things I'd want to be doing right now. Be attacked by a zombie. He goes, no, 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 let's, let's go deeper. Tell me about this character's childhood. And I'm like, it's a zombie movie. Well, well, well how about this, uh, this uh, 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 female character? Why does she have to take a shower? And I'm like, it's an R-rated zombie movie. Needless to say, our artistic visions clashed somewhat. Because the problem was he wanted to have one. And my view artistically was, it's a zombie movie. Anyway, okay. I don't know where we were from that. Oh, yes. We were talking about uh, what it takes to make Hollywood stuff have conservative stuff. Anyway, it would take a ton of money to make the People's Republic stuff. And by the way, there is a script of People's Republic that a, uh, a guy asked me to write. A guy who, you know the shows he's worked on, you know what he's producing. I wrote it. He goes, holy shit, this is good. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've actually written one before. Uh, sadly, it was a zombie movie. So it wasn't exactly deep. But it's, it's, it's going to be very expensive. So, you know, we're going to have to get together and do that. But the, the, the point is that the industry does not have to react. The industry does not have to serve us. The industry is free to engage in the kind of woke bullshit that we see with the banning of Gone with the Wind. Here's the other thing. It's like the, the, the General Lee, you remember the Dukes of Hazard, Had John Schneider and Tom Wopat and Roscoe P. Coltrane and uh, uh, Catherine ba 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 Bach, who played the uh, cutoff shorts. And uh, they had an orange car, and it has, uh, you know, and it would drive over things all the time. It's like a Dodge Charger or something. And it had a uh, Confederate flag on the roof because these were southern good old boys. And, um, you know, now the guy who, like, owns the Dukes of Hazard car is apparently saying, yeah, I I'm going to paint over it. Well, well, thank you for striking a blow against racism by painting over the roof of the General Lee. Now, this was not one of my favorite shows. I didn't watch it. And I had, and the funny thing is I have no particular sympathy or concern for, for the Confederates. My family was very, very hardcore Union. Uh, my uh, great-grandfather was a drover in the uh, uh, United States Army. Well, I think he was more of a contractor, but he was he he was involved in logistics, and I had others in other parts of the family who were actually soldiers in it, and um, you know, and I, I I remember you know seeing my grandmother, 
in uh, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, there was a a picture of Lincoln in the house. Now, she was a Democrat, by the way, like a, a non-communist Democrat, the old school Democrat, but like working, working person Democrat. But she had a picture of Lincoln in the house and she would play the piano as John Brown's body. And the thing is, she's born in like 1908. She actually literally knew people who were in the Civil War. And we were only a few miles from Gettysburg, which... Uh, uh, is one of my earliest memories. I actually cracked my head on the peace memorial at Gettysburg. And then in the war college, we went on a staff ride there and I'm sitting there, you know, with all the other colonels going, see that stair over there, that marble step? That's where I fucked my head up. And um, although my mother denies that's what happened. I got the scar. I don't know what she's thought. Look, it was my freaking head. I know what happened to my head. Just saying. Anyway. I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't have a particular love for the uh, Confederate because my, my family was, you know, very strongly Union. Of course, I was a United States Army officer. But, you know, we, we re-reconciled after the war, which I think was a good idea. Uh, it's weird how these guys want to be like radical Republicans and like hardcore Reconstruction, you know, uh, uh, trash the uh, uh, South Reconstructionists 150 years later because that went poorly. The last time that happened, up sprang the KKK. But let's just not rub in the fact that the KKK was the former military arm of the Democrat Party, as opposed to Antifa, which is now the military arm of the Democrat Party, uh, which is a party based on crime, violence, and tyranny. In any case, back to the General Lee. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just find it really annoying that people are telling me what I can and can't do. And that if, for some reason... I was interested in displaying a Confederate flag, why they should tell me I can't and be able to enforce that. I I don't particularly want to give them a veto over anything, including things that I have zero intention of doing or zero desire to do it. It's just the whole principle of the thing. But that is kind of the principle of what they're doing. And that has to do with the, the gone with the wind and the statues and the kneeling and everything which is to give you the impression that they are in charge and you must conform to them. And I think, as my brilliant town hall column of last week said, we need to unleash the power of no. But here, where I'm not really censored because I try and be family-friendly in town hall, um, we need to unleash the power of go fuck yourself. Because go fuck yourself. And have you noticed how we never see anyone do that? And I got to think, statistically, there has to be. Like Drew Brees, right? He comes up, he says, you know, I like the flag and America's a good thing. And then they scream and yell. He's like, well, I've learned so much about the pain I've caused by not hating America. And I just want to apologize. And I'd like to get my wife in here to apologize too. And then kids, kids come apologize, dog. Hey, I got a cat. I want him to apologize. Let me, uh, we'll head on over to the guy who changes the oil on my Maserati. And he can apologize to you too. And, you know, it's pretty craven and stupid and kind of pussyish. And I'm just wondering, is there people, there have, statistically, there have got to be people who say, fuck you. There's got to be someone who goes, hey, man, you know, I'm going to can't you, I can't believe you're so racist as to love America. And the guy goes, huh, well, yeah, I've heard your view. Here's mine. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to do what I want. And if you kneel, you're a dick. 
And then the, 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 the like, kneelo, kneeling Nazis would be like, uh, and I just, I think if you tell them to fuck off, they just go away and you never hear about it, right? You just never, it just never comes up again, you know? Hey, Target, you know, that red and white circle you have, that's uh, uh, racist in some way and sexist. And, of course, it's always some uh, freaking trust fund guy with a complexion of uh, mayonnaise uh who, whose dad makes five hundred thousand dollars a year working on wall street who's saying that stupid shit it's like yeah you're right and and instead and and, and and like somebody like target go oh well let's put out a statement showing our commitment to not being racist and instead what if they just went huh fuck you and uh, you know the kid would just go away and find a softer target i mean really what are they going to do I mean, these mutant, I mean, like, if you're Target, are you in a lot of business out of a, a mutated sociology sophomores with pink hair and bolts through their nose who, um, you know, use terms like fat shaming non-ironically? Is that like a, a big demographic for you? Because I, 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 I'm thinking no. I'm thinking that, you know, they how much, how much more would you want to shop if, say, Target? A Target put out a thing saying, yeah, some people who are stupid raise some questions about our, you know, about calling us racist. And we just like to say that's stupid and we're not going to do anything for them. And if they don't want to shop here, good. Because we don't want stupid people in our store. It'll, you know, make shorter lines for you people who aren't drooling halfwits. Dude, how fast would you be at Target? Dude, I'd be at like Target like tomorrow. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of plastic containers. I'd like to get some $7 sweatshirts, please. Huh, look, they've got many, many, many packets of socks that I could buy. I mean, I would look for shit to buy, you know. Ooh, batteries, buy the case. You know, stuff like that. I've got to think that somebody is saying screw you. And, you know, uh, it was what? HBO Now that had uh, Gone with the Wind and then took it off. And you've got to think that HBO Now could have said, you you understand that we do a lot of very, very woke programming. You know, as a matter of rationality, you're accusing us of racism for, for having, leaving the ability to have Gone with the Wind is stupid. But we understand it's not about being rational. It's just about you exercising power. And you don't get to exercise power. Fuck you. We're going to leave Gone with the Wind up. And whoever owns, I don't know who owns the rights to Dukes of Hazard, but, you know, we're, we're, we're going to continue duking our hazards. And, you know, I'm not going to put like, a, we're not going to take the show and put like a little fuzz out thing, like in a rap video when somebody has a brand name. Because I'm a big aficionado of rap videos, so I, I know these things. Uh, and, and fuzz out the, 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 the Confederate flag so you don't see it. Maybe if you don't want to see a Confederate flag, perhaps Dukes of Hazard may not be the show for you. Okay? You know? God, I can just see I can just see one of these woke guys at a Leonard Skinner concert. Like, yeah, Sweet Home Alabama reinforces the racist genocidal patriarchy. You just see a whole bunch of good old boys go, what the fuck? What the fuck is that in your nose? K!
kick his ass, Cletus. If I were to leave you tomorrow, would you still remember? That's Free Bird, by the way. Play Free Bird. Wow. Okay, this has been a journey. And we're at our destination. We're at about 30 minutes in. I'm not saying it was coherent. I'm not saying it was clear. I'm just saying it was me talking for about a half hour. Because that's what I do here on Unredacted, the Kurt Schlichter Town Hall VIP podcast that tells the FCC compliance people to go fuck themselves. You want more Kurt. You do. You can get another podcast. I'm a little more serious. I talk a little more in the lawyery, military thing. I call that fighting words. It's associated with Hugh Hewitt. It is free. You can go over and and, and download it, and it uh, will rock the mic and perpetrate. It will slay all suckers state to say. Thank you, Run DMC. That's Run DMC. And you can get that. You can get all my columns. Mondays, Wednesdays, the Town Hall VIP, just for you and no one else. Thursday, uh, you can get my books, my novels, Collapse and is the latest and wildfire in Indian country and people's Republic. They are selling like hotcakes because they talk about our dystopian future. You should check them out, but please, please, please go ahead. And, uh, I'd almost kneel, but I'm not, I'm not that craven. I am marketing. I, I am so into marketing, but I'm not going to kneel. I'm not begging. But, you know, if you want to do me a favor, go get the 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you it's from Regnery, which is a Salem associated, uh, uh, publisher so we got some synergy going and it's a lot of fun and uh, it's a very funny book it's been uh, hailed by critics as in English and uh, the paperback version has been uh, uh, called printed so there's some powerful critical acclaim for it you should get it go on Amazon order it and in that manner you know Hopefully, my, my dream is to make it so I open up the first week selling so many that the New York Times has to create an excuse like uh, uh, for not putting it on the bestseller list like uh, uh, Kurt Schlichter's book 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You Makes Us Feel Unsafe It's an attack on our safety Dude, how awesome would that be? Oh my god Gosh, and follow me on Twitter, at Kurt Schlichter. So, thank you very much. Uh, It's been a blast. And uh, I will talk to you next week on the next edition of Unredacted with Kurt Schlichter. Adios.